0: Good morning, church. Many Americans throughout our history have looked to God for strength and protection in uncertain times like these, and you and I should do the same. So let's open with prayer this morning. Lord, we come to you, and we just ask that you be with the sick and their families, and those that have gone on, that you might comfort them, and in this whole concept, Lord, that they might more and more reach out to you. And for those who are living in fear and anxiety, I know this is a crazy time in our lives, in our world, and. I just pray, God, that they're going to you for security. And for our nurses and our doctors and the professionals professionals that's tending to the sick and those searching for a vaccine for this virus. And, Lord, for our leaders as they seek ways to alleviate, alleviate the problems and sufferings that this virus is causing. And for us as the body of Christ, that we might stand in the gap for people and be Jesus to those around us and those in our families, that we might bring hope uh, in these trying times. And, Father, we seek your protection. I seek your protection this morning, Lord, for uh, the Crossroads folks and all that's listening to this broadcast, Lord, that you would keep them safe and just help us to be smart in all this. We ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. We, as American people, have always been and will continue to be resilient. It seems like that whatever has been thrown at us, we bounce back. Whatever crisis that might be or whatever we're faced with, We've come through wars, conflicts, disease, and natural disasters. It seems like one right after the other. We seem to come through calamity with flying colors even stronger when we went into it. Then we add Christ to our lives, and we become invincible in a sense, regardless of what happens. And we echo, and we embrace, and we live Paul's immortal words in Philippians 4.13, where he said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, the strength, the guidance, the purpose, the wherewithal to be victorious in Christ no matter what. We face life today confronted with this virus. It has altered our way of life. In my 69 years, I've never seen anything like it, and many people that I talk to have not as well. The Bible from Genesis to Revelation is filled with such stories. Esther and Mordecai and all the Jewish people were not facing a virus. They were facing pure evil up front and personal Satan was speaking through a villain by the name of Haman, who was planning the complete annihilation of the Jewish race. This destroying the lineage of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that's what Satan was up to. Of course, God intervened, as he always does, and as we seek his face, he will intervene in this mess in which we're in. He comes into our hearts, and he gives us peace and security. And as our drama continues this morning in the book of Esther, for such a time as this, Title this message is "What It Takes to Be Queen." I think before we get in right into this message, I want to say uh, to the men who's listening that we need to understand if we're going to understand who our queen is and what women are like. We have to have a basic understanding of women in general, which has been a difficult task for many males. We see in this clip from Michael Jr. that he didn't. Let's watch.
1: I love doing comedy. I was doing a show at uh, Hermosa Beach at the Comedy Magic Club, right? So I leave leave and I'm walking to my car and it's getting a little cold, a little dark outside. So I'm thinking, let me hurry up to get to where I need to be. So I start jogging. (laughs) Then this white lady with her little jogging outfit on came around the corner about 20 feet in front of me. We're jogging in the same direction now. (laughs) Then she looked back. Jogging faster, so I look back too. (laughs) I didn't see anything back there. If a white person's scared of it, Michael Jr. is scared of it too. So I started jogging faster. After she looked back again, she took off in full stride. This time, I didn't even look back. I also kicked in the gears. I could have easily passed her up. I'm thinking, no, I can't just lead this defenseless lady out here by herself. Whoever back there gonna get her? So I yelled up to her, is that as fast as you can run?
0: Understanding women, uh, it's quite a chore. In many ways, there is not a more powerful creature on earth than a woman. One man has noted. Women have more strength in their looks than we have in our laws and more power by their tears than we have by our arguments. Another has marveled. Women are the poetry of the world in the same sense as the stars are the poetry of heaven. Clear, light-giving, harmonious, they are the terrestrial planets that rule the destinies of mankind. And in the the words of my son Joshua, he says, Without a good woman, most men would self-destruct. And that's true in my case. There's a truth in the age-old maxim, The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. The hand is strong, yet is a tender one of the mother who not only bears the children, but raises them as well. It's no wonder that when the cameras are turned on a 250-pound football player after he recovers a fumble or scores a touchdown, that the first thing out of his mouth comes, Hi, Mom, or all the tough guys that that have Mom tattooed on their body somewhere. But as if raising a household of children isn't enough of a job for a woman, she has... A married woman has to, um, has another demanding career, and that is of a wife. She is therefore a husband, either as the wind beneath his wings or the one who lets the air out of his tires. Proverbs talks about both kinds of wives. The one to be admired is the excellent wife of Proverbs 31. Her worth, the Bible says, is far above jewels. She is valuable to her husband because most men's decision would lack depth and perspective without her. As Victor Hugo, the famous French novelist, wrote, men have sight, but women have insight. Here are some God given strengths found in women. Any list of a woman's strengths would come up short, but we would like to attempt that list anyway by mentioning four strengths that uh, often held by women that particularly stand out. Number one is intuition that sixth sense, when it enables her to see through situations to sense the unspoken and perceive what most men fail to see and the ability to know usually what her husband is up to before he ever says anything. Two, endurance, that incredible ability to handle pain, to stay at a task through insuperable odds, and to persevere. Women, to me, seem to handle pain better than some men, and I do believe today that if men had to have babies, there would be a lot less children in the world. Third, strength, responsiveness, that willingness to demonstrate her feelings, to reach or to react, to show warmth and affection. And vulnerability is for that courage to express weakness, to admit fear, and to ask for help or directions, which I do believe most men, uh, it's hard for them to do because it works on our male ego a little bit. The book of Proverbs describes several of the traits that are true of the godly woman. 11.16 says, A gracious woman attains honor. 12.4 says, An excellent wife is the crown of her husband. 18.22, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And then 19.14, House and wealth are an inheritance from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. The most polished description of a woman is found in Proverbs 31.10-31. through It is written by the mother of a king and is placed in a climactic position at the conclusion of the book. So as we let our minds skim back through history, through the pages of the past, we glimpse some of the heroines of yesteryear. History is full of remarkable women, and here is such one, Joan of Arc in France. Let's watch.
1: On the 8th of May, 1429, the town of Orléans in France erupted in celebration. For seven long months, it had been under siege by the English. But now, after just four days of fighting, the town had been liberated. And the people of Orléans knew they had witnessed a miracle. The speed of their liberation was astonishing enough, but what confirmed it as a miracle was the identity of their liberator. She was a peasant girl. She was just 17. Her name was Joan. She was a truly extraordinary figure, a female warrior in an age that believed women couldn't fight, let alone lead an army. Take care what you do, for in truth I am sent by God and you put yourself in great danger. These are Joan's own words recorded in a contemporary manuscript. Six centuries after her death, her words have the power to transport us back into her life and times. To understand Joan's story, we need to explore a world where God and the devil are real. Today we're more aware than we've been, perhaps for centuries, of the power of faith to drive people to do extraordinary things, for good or ill. And in a world where God's will is at work, anything is possible.
0: Joan of Arc, Florence Nightingale. Madame Curie, courageous women, full of light and fortitude and vision and virtue and grace and truth. Within the pages of biblical history as well are chapters of feminine courage and character. Jochebed, the mother of Moses. Hannah, the mother of Samuel. Rahab, who hid the spies. Deborah, who led Israel. Mary, the mother of our Lord. And then there is the heroine of today's story, which is Esther. Esther was the king's favorite. And here's why. Through Mordecai and the power of God, it, it shaped her and it taught her to be the woman that she needed to be to save her people. Two books of the Bible bear the names of women, Ruth and Esther. And though the account of Esther is only a few pages, her life speaks volumes up today. So we pick up the story today in the powder room of the palace where the contestants were putting on their makeup for the Miss Persia, Persia pageant. Chapter 2, verse 8, the book of Esther. So it came about when the command and decree of the king was heard and many young ladies were gathered to Susa the citadel into the custody of Haggai. Now, Esther was taken to the king's palace into the custody of Haggai, who was in charge of the women. The verb was taken doesn't connote volunteerism. Actually, the verb could be taken by force, so some Jewish scholars accept this interpretation, though there is nothing in the text to reinforce that idea. However, it could be well be that, Esther was reluctant to participate. After all she was a Jew and marrying a Gentile was against the code of conduct handed down from the Jewish law which has remained in effect through all the centuries even today in the Orthodox Jewish family when I was in Highland College in Freeport, Illinois the, uh, I met this librarian and we got to talking about faith I don't know what it took us down that road but nonetheless we did And she was born Jewish in New York City and fell in love with a Gentile and married him. And as soon as she married him, the family all got together and had her funeral. She was dead to them, meaning they would never talk to her, never call her, have no interaction with her at all, and it just broke her heart. So this was a law that was in place then and is still in some places a law today. When you imagine how competitive the contestants must have been at the prospect of being chosen queen, Esther's reluctance comes across as a wonderful attribute and an attractive quality. Her inner beauty eclipsed the jealousy and greed and self-absorbed women of the harem, I'm sure. And that's what caught Haggai's eye as he viewed the pack, so to speak. In the passage that follows, at least six attractive qualities stand out. The first one is a grace-filled charm and elegance. Verse 9, Now the young lady pleased him and found favor with him. So he quickly provided her with her cosmetics and food, gave her seven choice maids from the king's palace, and transferred her and her maids to the best place in the harem. In Hebrew, the first sentence at verse 9 literally states, She lifted up grace before his face. So it was this attractive aroma that Esther had that drew the head of the women, Haggai, to act quickly and treat her in a different way. He gave her preference. The second quality is an unusual restraint and control. Verse 10 Esther did not make known her people or her kindred. Esther knew the value of verbal restraint. She knew that she needed to be quiet. Mordecai told her to be quiet, not to tell anybody that she was a Jew. It was all in God's plan, but she kept to it. She kept quiet. She had no opinion on the matter. Third characteristic is a continually teachable spirit. For Mordecai had instructed her that she should not make them known. Becoming a finalist in The pageant didn't go to Esther's head. Neither did becoming queen. It's great to come across a woman who has such beauty and such grace, and it doesn't go to her head, and it doesn't make her arrogant. The more gifted we are sometimes, the higher we rise in our profession or prominent in position in our life, the less teachable we become, which is unfortunate because that doesn't really have anything to do with wisdom. Fourth quality is an unselfish modesty and authenticity. 12 through 14. Now when the turn of each young lady came to go in to King Ahasuerus, after the end of her 12 months under the regulation for the women, the days of their beautification were completed as follows. Six months with oil of myrrh and six months with spices and the cosmetics for women. The young lady would go in to the king in this way. Anything that she desired was given her to take with her from the harem to the king's palace. In the evening she would go in and in the morning she would return to the second harem, to the custody of. Shashgaz, the king's eunuch who was in charge of the concubines. She would not again go into the king unless the king delighted in her and she was summoned by the king. So clearly, we see the process for the pageant was lengthy and expensive, somewhat like our beauty pageants today. Imagine the setting. It must have been like going into Bloomingdale's or Versace's and taking the most expensive dress off the rack. No charge. Remember the first time... I went to Bloomingdale's in Chicago. It was like six stories high. And I got uh, Just out of curiosity, I got off on one of the floors that had uh, ladies' dresses, and I walked up a rack and looked at the tag, and it was $2,500. So I uh, gingerly took my hand off the tag and went back downstairs and went on out. <laughs> but that that's what it was like, that she could have went into Bloomingdale's or Versace's and take any dress, uh, view the whole line of cosmetic products at no cost. No doubt most of the women went on extravagant and unrestrained shopping spree. Except for Esther, she held her restraint. Verse 15. Now, when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter, came to go into the king, she did not request anything except that Haggai, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the women, advised. And Esther found favor in the eyes of all who saw her. The fifth quality is innocent charm. Regardless of her surroundings, did you note know in verse 15 that Esther made no extravagant demands? She listened attentively. She followed instructions. Her innocent charm not only compelled Haggai, but it totally captivated the king. And I'm sure that he's maybe not seen a girl like this before. Compared to other women in the harem, she stood out in the king's eyes like a stately swan in a duck pond, verse 16 and 17. So Esther was taken to King Ahasuerus to his royal palace in the tenth month. Which is the month to Beth, in the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther more than all the women, and she found favor and kindness with him more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Ashton. The sixth quality is a humble respect for authority, verses 18 through 20. Then the king gave a great banquet, Esther's banquet, for all his princes and his servants. He also made a holiday for the provinces and gave gifts according to the king's bounty. And when the virgins were gathered together the second time, then Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. Esther had not yet made known her kindred or her people, even as Mordecai had commanded her, for Esther did what Mordecai told her, as she had done when under his care. And now, if you think about this, was Esther's golden opportunity to reveal her newly acquired position of power, and to throw off all shackles of accountability, because as soon as that crown hit her head she became a different person she was the queen to a king who ruled 127 provinces from india to ethiopia but she resisted that temptation she still submitted to mordecai's advice even though she was queen and it is that respect for his counsel that will later catapult her to the heights of heroism when you have that kind of power and authority it's hard not to exercise it a few years ago, uh, Diane and I and uh, Opal Marie, which was my mother-in-law, who has gone on to glory, were coming into Casey on Old 040 from Martinsville into Casey. And it was a 40-mile-an-hour speed limit, and I was doing 52. So here comes a city cop and stopped us. As soon as the officer walked up to the car, I rolled the window down, and she leaned up. Hey, you know who I am? And he kind of ignored her at first until I got the license and registration. She said, hey, I'm talking to you. Do you know who I am? And he looked back and he said, no, ma'am, I don't. She said, I'm Mrs. Bowen. I'm the, mayor's, I'm the mayor's mom. So that pretty much iced the cake. He handed the license back and said, thank you, Mrs. Bowen, and told me to slow down. That's authority for you. Sometimes it gets you out of tight spots. Not that it's right, wrong, or indifferent. But Esther didn't do that. What's the moral of the story from Esther chapter 2 for you and I today? it all boils down. We look at history. We see how God has moved people as pawns around in his great scheme of things, but it always comes down to something that we Americans hold dear to. What's in it for me? The moral of the story from Esther 2 is this for us to apply today. The primary application for this message seems to be aimed at women, but the principles run deeper than gender distinctions. They do apply to us men as well. For the cultivation of character, not cosmetics, is the focal point of our study. We're addressing what we are on the inside, not what we are on the outside. So, if you'll turn on the lights and squint into the mirror, we'll see what can be done for that hidden person of the heart. Because remember, God says He doesn't really look on outward appearances. He looks at the heart. First, we ask God to cultivate within us a discontent for the superficial and the same time a hungering and a thirst and a desire for the spiritual. And moral Lindbergh says it best in her excellent book, Gift from the Sea, and I quote, I'm seeking perhaps what Socrates asked for in the prayer from the Phaedrus when he said, May the outward and inward man be at one. I would like to achieve a state of inner spiritual grace from which I could function and give as I was meant to in the eye of God. Second, Trust God to control the circumstances around you. Remember Esther. The atmosphere was such in a competitive beauty pageant; it was difficult in a difficult context in which to pres- preserve the beauty of the inner self. Yet in the soil, in this soil, Esther blossomed. And I ask you this morning: How are you holding up, so to speak, under this whole situation, this COVID-19 that we're in? Are you shining your light? For Christ is your character building it should it should build if 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 there's ever a time for us as believers in Christ to shine and for our character to be built it's right now because the rest of the world that don't believe I'm sure are watching us right now we are to be isolated but nonetheless we have cell phones that we can text and call um, do FaceTime all this other stuff this, this should be a great opportunity for us to be the are uh, a light of Christ so ladies uh, you'll Maybe I don't know if I asked this or not. But I should, but you line up with these six queen-like qualities. Any, maybe you need to work on. And, men, I say to you this morning that I am sure that you all have a queen in your life who you adore and for some worship. I do that to my queen as well. I pray you are paying those women in your life the honor that they deserve at such a time as this, and maybe just for putting up to you. I'm thinking about some women now that have husbands that they have to put up with, but I'm not going to mention any names. Men and women, um, I ask you too to please treat each other with the love and respect that God commands us to. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. We need each other at such a time as this in this crisis. And One of the things that will happen is your relationship will hopefully grow stronger and, and hopefully not get into under each other's skin as we're together a lot more than we are. So let your character in Christ grow in that. And I pray that uh, you're allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your life and when our enemy brings those thoughts of fear and anxiety that we just say, help me Jesus and you take care of it, Lord, because that's what you do. I love you guys and I miss you tremendously. It's 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 odd being here, just Mike and Steve, and I appreciate those guys doing it. and. Uh, it's, just, it's just a different situation that we all are enduring, but we're in this together as we hear a lot on TV, and we're in it together with Christ. Lord, I love you, and I thank you again for loving us. And I just pray, God, this morning as uh, this message is listened to, and Spirit, you work through that and the Word, that you just calm hearts, hold people close, and help us to realize, Lord, that regardless of what happens, as we are in your hands, that it's going to be okay. So I thank you for Crossroads, Lord, and all the people that will listen to this message this morning. I just ask your great blessing upon them, for we ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen.